right, everybody, welcome in college rugby wrap up. We are back continuing our awesome draft prep ahead of the MLR draft on August 18th. Zach Landing here again with my colleagues, Colby Marshall and Josh Recio. Guys, welcome back in. How are we doing today? Doing fabulous, Zach. Good to hear your voice. Good to be back on the pod. Super, super pumped that it's August. That means it's MLR draft month. Back in business, the third annual MLR draft. Josh, how we doing, baby? July flew by. I mean, it's the fact that we're already coming up on the draft this quick. <sighs> School's about to get back in the session. We're about to have fall rugby. Oh, my goodness. Crazy time. Yeah, I'm, Crazy time. I've seen schedules pour in from teams. It's great. The hype is building. I'm looking at, you know, a bunch of uh, big moves. Naira putting their schedule out. We'll talk about it in a little bit. Like, you know, just a couple of uh, exciting matchups already. I'm circling on the calendar coming up in the fall. So can I just say a fascinating thing uh, come the fall every year is to look at the difference in quality of everyone's schedule release. Right. You got some teams that you got a guy, you know, you have some marketing guy that's on your team that's able to put out this like just a beautiful looking schedule. And then you got other teams that it's like they use like Microsoft Paint, you know, <laughs> <laughs> they just they just try to draw every logo. So uh, we got we got to get a little more uniform there. But uh, always a fun time to look at everyone's schedule release. Send out a template or something for people to use. Uh, Colby, what was I own a schedule release like? I don't know. What would you guys do? Uh, ours was pretty creative. We had like a, a back shot of a couple of guys on the team in like a big frame. And then we had the upcoming games for the fall. It was simple. I was say Holy Cross. We didn't, I, we didn't put, we didn't tell anybody when we were playing or who we were playing. Half the time yeah, we didn't know. So that was probably for the best. <laughs> Iona actually just puts a, we actually a win, win next to every game. So that they just know automatically <laughs> that they're going to be getting to the championship. They, they just want you to know that they're going to win. <laughs> Oh, good times. Uh, so we'll get right into it, guys. We'll get right into some news uh, from around the league. There's some big, big news this week that we could talk about here right at the top. Um, the biggest news for me was the rugby morning poll uh, that was put out. The 69% of readers of rugby morning said the chocolate chip cookies are far superior to oatmeal raisin cookies, which I know you guys try for some God unknown reason tried to tell me last time that oatmeal raisin cookies are actually cookies. And I just now the people have spoken and have said overwhelmingly, resoundingly that chocolate chip cookies are better. So do you guys so, have any reaction to that? So the people have spoken after one survey of uh, a random rugby community. That, rugby morning is they, a definitive rugby as, newsletter. They constitute as the people. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Mm-hmm. Sure. 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 <laughs> Sure. You want to put out your own poll? Go ahead. I, I, you know, oh, I will. Good. We'll see how your opioid raisin poll does. Uh, you probably don't have enough energy because you're not getting the sugar that you get from a chocolate chip cookie to be able to put the poll out. You get just enough sugar from raisins. <laughs> All right. It, it, I don't, I don't, I don't understand the bashing of oatmeal raisin cookies right now, but two weeks in a row, he's really coming at us with this oatmeal raisin life. It's it's something that's near and dear to my heart. I just hold very strong opinions when it comes to desserts. Uh, it's probably one of the only things that I'm passionate about. Uh, besides rugby, uh, which we can talk about the actual big news this week, which is the huge, I guess, absorption, you could call it, or a merger of some sorts. CRAA, the Collegiate Rugby Association of America, obviously affiliated with USA Rugby, announced that they ha- have consolidated uh, a couple of the other conferences, the independent conferences into their ranks, Uh, the ACRA, ACRA, American uh, Collegiate Rugby Association, which dealt mostly with uh, women's division two programs Um, and ACR, American College Rugby, which was men's um, D2 and D1AA and D3 as well, uh, are now all part of CRAA. So guys, I'd love to get your take on this. I mean, that's pretty big news. These are not small conferences acr had 71 schools that were a part of it uh six conferences three divisions um this is a huge move by cra to kind of start uh i guess consolidating power and now we really are left with the two giants cra and ncr in the college landscape it, it's tough for me because we're still heading down the wrong path right why why do we have to have two giant conferences um i'm, I'm glad that the rest all these other little acronyms are now under CRAA. Um, is that better? Is CRAA going to provide, I think, the same foundation that NCR is doing for small schools? I don't know. 
Um, I, I still think that it's it's probably not the best for college rugby that we have two major conferences. But if CRA is going to take in these programs and give these schools an opportunity to have more visibility than they did in their original setup, then I'm all for it. But, you know, we got a World Cup that's coming. It's going to come fast. And before then, we really got to get the college game set up and get it structured and get it so that, you know, anyone that has, isn't even around rugby can understand it. And right now it's still at a level that's too confusing for kind of the normal person coming into the game to understand. Well, I think you touched on it a little, Zach. You mentioned it consolidates it a little bit. I think, uh, you know, they're going to be two big conferences, but like you said, I think it makes it less confusing because there were uh, more that we had to worry about before. So it's, I think it's a step in the right direction. Yeah, I think even if not just for the fact that now three of the most similar acronyms of all time are under one acronym that I, you know, the, the same three letters were used in seven different combinations of letters there. So that helps clarify things as well. And I, I do, I don't know, I, I do think, Colby, I agree with you that it is a little more, it's a little more simplified now. It's a little simpler to understand um, with Jeff CRAA has, now they're not just the top, you know, they're not just D1 teams, you know, they, they have, they have committed to uh, helping, hopefully, Josh, like you said, committed to helping these D2 programs and these women's programs. And I think, you know, I think it is motivated in part by the World Cup coming up. I think they want to start, you know, they're going to, you're going to see more involvement uh, from the USA rugby in the college landscape, whether it's directly or indirectly. Um, and I think it's also motivated in part because of the success of NCR. I mean, if these conferences had gone and joined NCR, I think that's a wrap for CRAA. I mean, that's like, that would have been a huge you know, a huge coup, I think, for NCR, uh, who started as a kind of conference that's looking to promote these smaller uh, schools or D2 schools. Um, I love to hear you guys this take, uh, too. It's interesting to me that co college football is in a similar uh, space, but for very different reasons, where you're having, you start to have two super conferences, you know, with the Big Ten and the SEC. Um, you have two super conferences now with rugby. Of course, you still have Naira or the National Intercollegiate Rugby Association that is working exclusively with like women's varsity programs. So they're operating kind of outside of, of this whole fracas, I guess I'll call it. But now you have two super conferences. What, you know, why not? keep it that way you have a fall and a spring uh and you just kind of and maybe the the winners play each other uh at, at some point and you just let them kind of take their own territory carve outs and, and go from there i mean do you guys think that's a terrible idea wait just to clarify you want the winners of the craa and the ncr to play each other in a final yeah, i'm saying why not season. you know like that way you can have like a you know oh it'll be a fun event like who's the actual who's the national champion you know you'll have an ncr champion from the fall You'll have a CRAA champion in the spring um, and maybe you can organize a game at some point where those two teams play or if not just let, because I don't know if you, if there is ever a chance there for these teams to unify or these conferences to unify, I think the differences just run too deep. So I, you know, both are, are providing the same level of, of support for these conferences. Uh, you know, I, I don't see an issue with having both. Yeah. I mean, I don't see an issue with it. I think it would be a good idea. My only concern would be, would it, have a chance of being too lopsided one way towards the winner of one of the conferences like would they be too much of a uh powerhouse for the uh, other team like in a competition yeah i struggle to see the balance being a problem as much i, I don't ever see it being the situation where we're where, you know we're going to mend this together i think no one no one on either side likes the other <laughs> conference um but how they do crossover games how they allow teams to schedule team or schedule games against teams that are in the the, you know, CRAA or NCR is going to be really, really important. Um, you know, Army, perfect example of that. Army played teams from NCR throughout the season. You know, they played in the fall, they played in the spring. Then they went on, they won the national championship. I would, Zach, love to see um, a matchup between the CRAA champion and the NCR champion. I mean, it could be one game. It could be, the you know, it could be set up a really, tournament. really well. Yeah, yeah, it could be a tournament. However it is, that would be so entertaining to watch. Um, if they could work together to set it up. Well, I think this is the way to get there. I mean, I, as long as the other is not trying to eat the other, like, or, you know, try and get them to do things the way they want it to them to be done. I think you can have some harmony in that, you know, okay, NCR, you take your teams, you play your fall, your schedule, you know, uh, the sevens is a whole different issue, which you're going to have to, you know, figure out what you schedule the May Madness and the other tournament that are like weekends after each other. But 
you know, I think then you can start to, cause it's really on the coaches at that point then. And we heard from a bunch of college coaches who said, you know, we just don't want to be told who and when we can play games. You know, we want to play who we want to play when we want to play them. So uh, I think this gives everybody the kind of freedom uh, to, to schedule interconference games if they want. And then you have the one big event at the end of the year to kind of crown a champion. Um, I, I don't know. It could work. I think it could work. And you, you still have your separate, separate conferences. But. And one, one, maybe an unpopular opinion that I just want to throw out there, you know, maybe one key door opener to a lot of this stuff happening. CRAA, in my opinion, has to stop thinking that just because they have, you know, USA rugby on their back, that means that they're the only legitimate conference out there. Right. NCR yeah. is filled with so many people that care about this sport and care about it growing. And they put in the work every year since that conference formed to make sure that every team has an equal opportunity to get the visibility they need. That's what we need in this country if we're going to continue growing the sport. So if CRA can kind of get that mindset off their back and start working together with NCR more, they're going to find that they have such a great platform to grow this sport over the next few years before the World Cup. Yeah, I agree. I think NCR does a lot of things really well. Um, and I think they could both benefit from uh, you know, learning a couple of things from each other and this side of things, but er the, that's the bottom line. You're absolutely right with that is that I feel like everybody who is in charge of the game in some way cares very deeply about the sport in this country. Um, sometimes too, too much to a fault, you know, where then they're, then they're saying that nobody else cares as much as they do about it. They're trying to ruin it. But I, I think, yeah, once you can understand that at the very base level, uh, everybody's just trying to do what's right for the, for the sport. Um, you know, we can start to mend some fences here. But uh, any other takes on this uh, this big news out of the game this week, guys, before we move on? No? All right. Nope. So we'll move to, as I mentioned, uh, National Intercollegiate Rugby Association has put their schedule out. Um, and for the first time, that schedule includes uh, the women's side from Princeton University, who have uh, signed on to be a varsity collegiate program. Uh, and they are out of my home state in New Jersey. So obviously who I'm going to be rooting for this year. Uh, but guys, how big is this, you know, for uh, for Naira adding another solid program? Princeton, historically a solid rugby school, I think has not been for a little bit, uh, but, you know, was one of the original kind of rugby schools in the country uh, as one of the oldest, you know, colleges, universities in the country. Um, but yeah, what, what do we think about uh, adding another school here? And what do we think about, you know, will Dartmouth also repeat this year as Naira champions? What are our thoughts on on the conference? It's a it's it's a really strong. I mean, it's a strong conference. It's probably some of the most entertaining rugby to watch because of the history and tradition of all those teams. Um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 going to be great that you have Princeton. I don't know. There's not much really to add there. Obviously, it's it's going to be even more entertaining to watch when you add a team like that. Yeah, I was going to ask. Was it a conference that I guess was lacking those sort of powerhouse teams on the women's landscape in the women's landscape, or are they just joining you know a good group of uh, great rugby clubs at that level. Yeah. So Naira has most of the Ivy league teams um, and they they're strong. I mean, they're, and they're all, they're the, their goal is to get to 40 varsity programs uh, to, to women's rugby is an emerging sport in the NCAA. Uh, and Naira is trying to make it an official NCAA sport by, by consolidating programs that are interested in kind of taking the game to the next level. So every time you can add a team to that count, I think they're approaching 30, if not over that 30 team mark now at this point uh, is, is good. And so Princeton joining is good. Well, I don't think they'll compete right away. I mean, you have Dartmouth who are powerhouse. Harvard is always solid. And now Brown with coach Roz coming from life is going to be, you know, a, a force as well in that, in that conference. So, um, but it, it adds another, you know, larger school um, who have a, a rugby history uh, and I think can get up to speed pretty quickly. So don't don't be shocked if they win a couple couple surprise games this year, um, and kind of are at that upper upper tier of teams. I don't think they'll win the whole thing, but uh, they they should should be competitors fairly soon. Um, and then another conference that has some news as well. Uh, not one of the larger governing bodies, but the Big Ten. Josh, your Big Ten rugby added a team as well. Notre Dame officially joining the Big Ten for the 15 season going forward. Uh, if this happened in college football, people would lose their minds, I think. Uh, but maybe this is a foreshadow of foreshadowing of that. What do you think? It's it's well overdue. I mean, for you know, the fact that we'd always find ourselves playing Notre Dame in random, random games. You know, I would love to see Penn State join, you know, get get it in, get an actual big ten. But uh, you can call this unpopular as well. I think Notre Dame comes in and comes in as the favorite um coming wow. into this fall season. I, I think 
you know, Indiana and Ohio State have really had a great, you know, have had, had a great run, really been able to kind of dominate the competition, the Big Ten. But Notre Dame, I think now that they're settled in, they're going to be able to play the same schedule as Indiana and Ohio State. I put Notre Dame as the favorites. Um, they're coached super well. Another great system team that is able to just play really well together, always get some great athletes, maybe not the best athletes, but yeah, huge, huge news for the Big Ten. Really excited to see it, see it unfold in the fall. Indiana, um, a couple of older guys on that program as well from last year when they were pretty dominant. Uh, they had a great season. I think he'll be, they, they won pretty well, played a good game against Iona. If I remember, I don't know what that score, <laughs> the final score was with that, but um, they look yes, pretty they solid. Beat us. They beat, they beat <laughs> Iona. They beat us. Not when I was um, there, but they beat us most recently. Does Iona play a lot of the, how do you make your schedule during the season? Do you only play your uh, kind of in division guys? Do you play any of the big 10 teams as well throughout the year? Um, I know we played Indiana. I, don't recall if we've played. I know we haven't played Josh's school. Yeah. Um, I can't really recall if we've played anybody else in the Big Ten. Um, Ohio State would be the one, only other school that would travel really out there and probably make that play. Wait, but we're talking Penn State's in the Big Ten, right? No. Not, See, this, this is frustration. Yeah. Can't have this anymore. Because <laughs> they're yeah, top. I, I mean, they're... we played big. We played Penn State, but yeah, no. Penn State just kind of plays a roving best of the best schedule i imagine they just uh they have a really good schedule this year i looked it over i mean they're playing queen's university charlotte i think they got st bonaventures again army um that should be a good test uh for was i think kind of an underwhelming side in 15s last year they didn't really they didn't really uh pick up steam until the spring um so that'd be interesting to watch but yeah no i agree i think it's good always when uh conferences kind of add teams to the mix you get a little different energy start some better, you know, some new rivalries, um, and, uh, keep growing the sport. So any other news before we jump into our top draft picks of major league rugby, uh, draft coming up here, guys. Oh yeah. Really quick. We were touching on it a little bit. Just wanted to say, I'm really pumped for, uh, Ross Chow at Brown, uh, for this upcoming season. I know she's going to do great uh, after all she did with life. It's definitely going to be an emotional year for her, I think, but, uh, definitely going to be rooting for for brown this year and keeping a close eye on them that's what i'll root for princeton colby can root for brown and josh you can have your pick between dartmouth and harvard and we'll just see who comes out on top i guess you got the better end of that deal possibly uh, oh but- i'll take that <laughs> you're gonna give me those two teams oh, oh no <laughs> Uh, so we'll yeah I, I wish uh coach Roz luck as well in that um but with that all said done we're gonna jump in now to the the meat of the show and we're gonna talk about our guys heading into the MLR draft prospects that we after grinding hours and hours of YouTube footage and tapes and and uh from some of our own personal observations we've looked through the list of 143 guys who are eligible for the draft uh and we're gonna kind of go through some of our top backs and forwards who we like not necessarily the top guys because uh, we'll be talking about some of the big names on our mock draft episode, which will come next week for everybody. Uh, but some of the guys that just we kind of personally have fallen in love with and and, and think could be top contributors um, uh, at that. So I guess before we dive into those names, guys, though, I think consensus, some of the top names that we'll talk about next week, but maybe just touch on briefly here. For me, Sam Gala is that number one consensus overall pick. I think Dallas would be uh, it would be a mistake for them not to take Sam Gala out of Cal. Uh, I don't know if you guys have other names that you think might go number one, but for me, that's the, that's the no brainer. Yeah. It's hard to argue against that, Zach. I mean, he's a physical specimen at his position. He's got the MLR size has the just overall frame looks ready to make that jump uh especially when you look at a lot of these other players that might not look as physically ready you know he's got it and he's an older kid played at Cal for five years so he's got the experience coming from a great program it's hard to argue against that yeah and I mean I might be stealing I might be stealing Colby's uh Colby's thunder here but you know not first overall pick but another guy right Koi Koi from Army obviously another guy that I think just his energy, his passion that he brings to the game, what MLR team isn't going to want him. And I think he's going to be a popular pick. We'll have to see um, when we learn more about all the service academies and how that's going to shape up. But another guy that, you know, you don't need to talk about him enough. We've already given him enough kind of coverage. Other teams (laughs) don't enough coverage. I'm sure he's going to be popular come draft day. 
And I think what doesn't get talked about enough is uh, the fact that uh, players' personality and how they do in interviews with these teams, uh, it's very important throughout the draft process. And we got the chance to sit down with Koi Koi and find out what a great young man he is. And that's huge. Like, you know, teams are going to be able to look at that interview. Uh, if It's out there that we did with Koi Koi and realize like, hey, he's very well-spoken, humble. Uh, you can, the list goes on with that kid. So um, off the field is, you know, what you do off the field is just as important what you do on the field. And Koi Koi has both those categories checked off for sure. Yeah, I think uh, Koi Koi, again, another person, as you said, with Sam Gala, physically ready to step in at the MLR level um, and, and contribute. Just And again, with the intangibles off the field uh, as well. Good. Sam Gala, I think it reminds me a little bit of Manuel Albert last year, who was a player that Dallas passed on at first overall pick uh, to take that kind of explosive um, energy and threat in Eric Naposki out of UCLA. So I think now that Dallas again has that number one pick, it's time to to settle down and take one of those guys who's you know going to do the dirty work, uh, who's a leader on and off. You know, not that uh, Naposki is not a leader on his own right, but uh, Gala, Captain Akal, um, you know, somebody who's ready to kind of step in and, and be the engine uh, for that forward pack. So, uh, but I I think and uh, Colby Josh and I talked about this a little bit before we started recording, but for me there there maybe are six five or six guys who are are pro ready right off the bat. And that's probably it. You're going to get in the draft. I would say all the other picks are more developmentally minded. How many guys Colby, do you think in your opinion are kind of physically ready? If not both with the intangibles, you know, mentally ready as well to kind of step onto the pitch day one and make an impact for their, for their team. Yeah. Just from naked eyes, that's not many Zach. I feel like six would be a a solid number. I'm not going to lie. I didn't get through the entire list of names. I don't know. Um, nobody. I don't think anyone's watched all 143, whatever YouTube highlight tapes are out there. But yeah, just from your observations so far, I, I would say the kids from the bigger programs like Lindwood and Cutstown, uh, Kiko Kawi, uh, you know, we talked about Koi Koi, we talked about Gala, uh, Clement Kweko, uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. Uh, so some of the guys from the bigger programs, you could tell are physically ready to make that next step. Uh, so, yeah, not not a huge number. I, I would agree with you guys in that, in that regard. But who knows, Zach? I mean, you know, we saw on the list, maybe the entire Fresno State team that is all <laughs> registered for the draft is like day one ready. So, you know, maybe, maybe we're all sleeping on Fresno State right now. Who knows? I would have to look at their schedule on their website. They just went like 100 and 0 for the last like three years <laughs> with this. Like we just missed it somehow. This huge powerhouse of like uh, just pro ready rugby player that they, they have an incredible number of guys eligible. And I'm really interested to see how many uh, how many do get picked. So I'm, I'm pulling for Fresno State. State. Yeah, prove us yeah. wrong. I think, yes, Lindenwood and Fresno State are just uh, just churning out uh, MLR prospects here. So, um, But we'll get into the our picks now. Colby, we'll start with you. You mentioned one of your names already, uh, Clement Cuieco, somebody you're looking for in this draft. You got your eye on. You like what he brings to the table. Yeah, super strong runner with uh, great pace. Usually brings multiple defenders down with him uh, when he's going down for when he's being tackled to the ground. Great at running the switch on the outside channel as a wing player. Uh, comes from a strong program, obviously, at Lindenwood. Played all four years. It's from England, actually. Uh, so great rugby background, I'm sure, growing up there. Really, really, really like what I see from this kid. And seems to have a good head on his shoulders. Definitely is going to go at some point in the draft. Um, so I'm excited to see where he goes. And that's something that's going to come up, I think, with a few of our names as well. Keep in mind, for that international slot, can have a huge impact on where guys go in the draft because MLR teams have to be, you know, they have an X number of international slots uh, for inter players from internet with international backgrounds. And generally you're going to want to use those uh, on, you know, guys you bring in from, from who have pro experience uh, around the world. Uh, so is it worth it for teams to kind of use up one of those slots for a collegiate draft pick who they might have to develop. You saw that last year with uh, Tanache Muchina, I think, uh, from Lindenwood, who fell in the draft for the second round because he was a, a foreign player slot, um, you know, requirement. So there are a few of our names with that. But um, I like that pick, Colby. I think an explosive athlete from a big-name school definitely has the potential. Um, Josh, any thoughts on Clement Cuieco? I mean, he's he's definitely an animal. I think he's going to do great. Um 
definitely one of the people that's kind of like shining out of the pack, kind of has the athleticism to really maybe make a day one impact. And who's your first name, Josh? Who's your first on your list here? I'm going to go with Lucas Black out of Lindenwood. I mean, the guy, you know, you watch his, you watch his highlight tape and he's got a minute of him doing 50 22s. So, I mean, you know, that's a, <laughs> that's pretty, pretty fascinating. I feel like you go to any rugby club and you're like trying to find the guy that's able to do it in a game. And he's got a whole highlight tape of him. Um, just a guy that, you know, his sheer size alone, I mean, you're going to be able to plug him into a lot of spots. Definitely, I think, kind of garners a, a draft pick in the sense that he's, you know, he's proving that his work ethic and he's shining in a Lindenwood system that is really dominating a lot of teams. Um, he's the kind of guy that I would really want to take a chance on. Who's going to take a chance on him? I, I don't know. I can maybe see Dallas early on in the draft doing it. Um, maybe Atlanta uses one of their picks, you know, in the first round for him. But um, he's, he's kind of my guy, one of, those, one of those top guys to watch. So he had the potential to be a uh, Tevite Lepetti uh, this year, Josh. Is he on that level or? Uh... Okay. That's we're, we're pushing it people. Okay. I mean, but uh, no solid athlete. And I, I think just it's someone that, you know, someone is going to take a chance on him early uh, in my opinion. And what was he doing in his highlight video real set? He's got uh, like a minute of him kicking 50, 22s. I mean, you know, it's like, like 22 meter kicks. No, the, fit, no, the new rule, the 50-22 rule. You know, he's he's uh, he's out there getting 50-22s. They get to keep the ball, you know? You kick the ball from behind your own 50, and it goes it goes out uh, inside the 22. You get to keep the ball in the lineup. Oh, got you. Yeah. Got you. I think that's a huge part of uh, – people make the mistake of on their highlight reels of just posting, like, you know, these bruising runs or they could drag three or four guys. Like, you put that – that you have a technical skill that you have, can do basically on command. Teams love to see that, I'm sure. You know, that gives you that gives you an edge, I think, over a lot of other players. I might, you know, what do you guys think about that? I think showing that you can that you have mastered a relatively new kind of rule change that that can greatly benefit your team. That gives GMs a little more confidence, I think, when they're when they're, uh, you know, on the clock for their pick. I couldn't agree with you more, Zach. I think it's a game changer just because you don't see it from the majority of these highlight reels out here. You know, everybody wants to post the clips of them scoring the tries and breaking tackles. which is fine, but it's a game changer. It makes you stand out when you, uh, you know, post 50, 22s. <laughs> and I mean, Lucas, you know, Lucas is well coached in Lindenwood. Obviously they told them they have a good example that, Hey, like this is what you need to put on this tape to get drafted. So, you know, we, we were trying to talk about saying like, we got to mention smaller schools, but there's the edge that Lindenwood has. Not only are you going to be able to shine in the system, but, you know, we're going to be able to help prepare you so that you can get drafted. You can get the visit you need. And I mean, Lucas's highlight tape is, you know, up there with some of the best. Yeah. And so I say you guys up kind of on that one, because my first guy, his highlight reel is a, a cornucopia of skill set, uh, different skill sets uh, that I was blown away by uh, Masvida Nyamarebu from uh, Arkansas State, played uh, inside center for Arkansas State has also played for the Zimbabwe national team as well. And just basically when I, when I was watching, I mean, he was, uh, you know, he was just on fire. He mastered pretty much every skill set that you want to see. I mean, he was great uh, with ball in hand. He was a solid tackler. Um, He had, he showed himself, you know, he was just a natural athlete and a natural rugby player. Uh, He was one of those guys when he gets the ball, is a nightmare for a headache for a defender because he could do anything with it. He could run you over. He could run around you. He can kick it into space behind you with a little dribbler. He could boot it, you know, into space downfield. Uh, he's got a great pass and, you know, he could, he could look for his support on the, on the inside of the outside. I think he's just such a well-rounded rugby player uh, that, and he is definitely worth a shot in the first round. I have a first round grade on him for sure. Uh, coming out of a, a big program, you know, Arkansas state, not necessarily the most successful uh, this year, but he's obviously playing the best competition uh, at this point in, in collegiate rugby. And he has national team experience in Zimbabwe. I've been playing rugby for a very long time. And so I think he would be a very valuable asset, uh, albeit one that would take up a foreign player slot, I imagine, but a very valuable asset for any MLR team. Love that guy. I had no doubt in my mind, you know, when he went, <laughs> I mean, I, I can be honest, at Michigan State, you know, we, we wanted him to come to Michigan State. So, you know, he was coming out of those like international groups that were trying to bring players to the U.S., and he was just an animal when he was in Zimbabwe. So the fact that he shined at Arkansas State is no surprise to me. Um, great athlete. Whoever picks him up is definitely picking up a quality player. Um, super excited to watch him at the MLR level. 
and Zimbabwe is no stranger to, uh, you know, producing top tier rugby talent. Nandi Duby uh, was an all conference player at the Iona University for four to five years. So uh, no, Zimbabwe is no stranger to producing top tier talent. It sounds like an outstanding player. I haven't seen much of them. Yeah, no, watch his tape for sure when you get a chance. It's it's really impressive. Um, I don't know, yeah, how high he'll end up going. I don't know, you know, with that international slot, you know, maybe that reduces his value. But if he falls in that second round, watch out. Uh, Colby, who's next on, on your list? Yeah, another player that I really, really like is uh, somebody that might not be on a lot of people's boards, uh, Noam Torrin, the number eight from Wheeling University. You know, he's uh, another international player. He's from France. This guy has excellent footwork for his size, a great ability to get in behind defenses, I would say, and offload the ball. Strong runner. I think he's a guy that can line up at multiple positions in the back line. Uh, although he's listed as an eight man, he can definitely have the versatility, I think, at the MLR level to play on the wing and to play at the center position as well. He might have to put on a little more weight. He's listed at 6'1", uh, 195. So I'm sure a lot of teams will want him to get into that 210, 215 area to play center. Uh, maybe not as much for the wing, but definitely put, can put on some size. But he's got all the intangibles. Um, you know, he, he looks great on tape, just has a, seems to have a good head for the game. And I think he's somebody that should be on a lot of people's boards. And coming out of one of those up-and-coming programs that we loved watching all year at Wheeling University, uh, who I think will make some noise uh, next year and have done a good job recruiting uh, those international players as well. Uh, so, yeah, I, I agree, Cole. That's a great pick. I think any team would really be uh, fortunate to get him in their building. Definitely. Josh, what you got? Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, probably one of the most explosive people I've seen. You know, I, I didn't get to see him much until we went down to uh, New Orleans, but Jeff Matuku – I mean, that, that guy from Notre Dame College with the wing, talk about explosiveness. I mean, we've over the years in Michigan State had to play Notre Dame College, and they always have some crazy athletes. But Jeff was blown by people at, at, in New Orleans, and he shined at the showcase. Uh, a guy that just kind of has some of those talents that, you know, MLR teams are going to be looking for. They can maybe, you know, give him a few years to help improve more of his skill play, maybe kind of find other positions that he could be useful for teams. But uh, maybe not an early round pick because, you know, he is from Kenya. He may also be another international slot, but a um, uh, great guy should be high on a lot of people's boards. But I think it's that game changing speed that teams really covet, you know, when they're looking at the collegiate draft as somebody who could make an early impact. If you have kind of an elite athleticism uh, like Jeff Matuku does, you look at the Connor Mooneyham, Eric Naposki, you know, that I think teams because that's something that you can't coach that i mean that's not something you could develop in somebody um so you, you may see him go much higher uh i was shocked last year when aaron gray slipped into the second round of the ml draft because he's again somebody else who had you know very like kind of that elite speed on the outside um but yeah i, I think jeff Ajuku would be a great pick um and showed really well at the rugby showcase and i think can uh definitely has the technical skills as well to, to make a solid impact who are you going with zach oh uh, yeah so my yeah my third or sorry, my second name is going to be two names. I'm kind of cheating here, um, but I I just got I couldn't decide between the two. They're both props. Uh, they're both big guys that I that I really loved watching. Uh, that was probably more exciting for me than watching any of the the backline play or any of the, any of the backs because uh, you know they're they're meant to score and do you know do whatever they got to do and they have the closing speed. But watching both Trent Rogers, who plays prop for Kutztown. Uh, and Doyle Hedgepeth, who plays prop for Queens University of Charlotte, it was the most fun thing I've ever had to do because these are some big guys that can move. And I like I was watching uh, specifically Trent Rogers play some sevens matches uh, as a six foot, two hundred eighty pound prop in fifteens. Uh, and you know, Kutstown has some big guys on that squad, and he was stepping people he was like just so comfortable with ball in hand uh you know in these sevens matches looked like he had decent conditioning you know for a big guy um and it was just it was like amazing and in this world of you know the rugby today where you have guys like tag furlong in ireland props who kind of have to do it all you know ellis genge who are good athletes good runners um and actually part of the of you know an offense uh instead of just kind of being big guys who run at the line i think trent you know trent rogers um 
could be a, a huge prospect. You develop a little bit of his technical, you know, side of things in the scrum. Maybe he needs a little refinement there, but you put him in, you know, in your with your 15 in the offense, and, and he's a weapon. He's an asset. Uh, and same with Doyle Hedgepath, who uh, was another like just really smooth athlete um, and, and just looked really comfortable uh, running with, with ball in hand, uh, which is not something you always see for a prop and has the size already, you know, that that kind of uh, you could as an MLR team gets their hands on that. You know, I think they'd be really, really pumped. So. I don't know if you guys saw any of the, the footage of any of these big guys or any, any props that you're super excited to see go in this, uh, this draft. I know Josh, you're not really a forwards guy. You don't really do a lot of. Uh... <laughs> it's it's tough for me to judge, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's plenty of great ones. I know my list is a little back heavy, but um, I'm sure they're great. I, I, I believe they're going to do fantastic. Colby, uh, any, uh, any watch any of the big guys? Uh, Damon, Damon Jones, I believe from Mount St. Mary's. He, uh, I think he's, he's, he's a prop to look out for. Well, yeah, we'll have to, uh, I think generally props have gone, it's been a mix with few, with past drafts. I think, you know, there've only been a couple that like went really high. Um, I mean, I think the first ever taken was Sam Klimkowski was the last pick of the first round in the first ever draft. Um, and generally, you know, uh, actually uh, new England free Jacks took a Spencer Kruger in the fr- that first year as well. So you see a few props oh, go, yeah. Yeah, what? but uh, it it generally it's a tougher position, I think, to to get American talent at just because the the scrummaging is so you know it's so intri- intricate. Um, I mean, Lindenwood has a American born um, prop player, Gabe, Gabe Kettering. Kettering. Yeah, Gabe Kettering. Gabe Kettering is, I think, oh, he's first round talent for me. He's my he he I think is the best prop prospect in this draft. Um, I didn't bring him up because I think we'll talk about him more next week on our mock draft. But he is a is a beast. Have you seen, did you watch any of that highlight tape? He is like the, he's like the Hulk. I, he had like his, the, it's like a still frame at the beginning of the video, uh, like a picture of him and his pecs are just like, are just insane. I, it was, I was like, this guy's a tank and he's going to be, he looked like he was really knew what he was doing. His highlight tape was one of those things, I guess, again, Lindenwood, you know, they knew what to put in it. A lot of, you know, shots of the scrum and he's pointing out different things that he's doing, you know, to, to help that scrum be dominant. And he's just a, a physical specimen, man. I, he's going to be real good, I think. Um, and a lot of teams are going to be be hungry to get him in, into their building. Whoever made those highlight tapes at Lindenwood, give them a pay raise. I mean, they, yeah, bump it up. they really made those players shine and <laughs> a lot of teams are going to respect that. It must be why so many of them end up going, you know, I, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it's all about who you know and, and how how much access you give these MLRGMs. They're not going to hunt down, you know, footage on any of these guys. Uh, so you got to serve it up to them. Colby, give me another name. Who you got? Who do you like? Another name? I got to go with Matthias Karamudi uh, as a player that I really like and want to talk about today. Fly half from Thomas More University. Unlike the previous two guys, it's not going to wow you with athletic ability, but as a fly half in the game of rugby, great, great IQ for the game and actually really physical on both sides of the ball. Um, you know, great at identifying spaces in the defense, not afraid to use that stiff arm uh, to fend people off. But like I said, what stands out to me about him is his physicality on both sides. Uh, really, really, he's, you know, good for a tackle and he's not afraid to, you know, put put his chest into you and, and run you over and, uh, make plays out in the open. So I think he's going to be uh, just over, overall, like he's one of the better all around players in this draft in terms of kicking, passing, playmaking, and having the physical attributes to compete uh, mm-hmm. at the next level. He's a little small, a little on the smaller size, but I think that, you know, he's still a young kid. I think he's going to put on a little more uh, muscle and more pounds. So, I expect big things out of Matthias Karamudi. Um, yeah, Thomas Moore uh, University really, you know, has a, has a lot of good prospects. I, I watching him and his teammate uh, Tomas Casares play at the NCR All Star Game was amazing. They really stood out, um, and so I think yeah, Matthias Karamudi a good a good pick, a developmental pick for a franchise. And I, I'd be interested to see if you know both of them go. If that makes Thomas Moore, if that gives him the highest number drafted, I mean, I think Lindenwood, I guess, will probably take that uh, crown again. But they have two really quality, you know, guys coming out of that that program. So um, kudos, yeah, kudos to Thomas Moore. And he's from Argentina, so he's another international player. Yeah, we do have a lot of international names. Uh, we got to talk about some more uh, 
homegrown guy. I guess that does show the prevalence of the college programs starting to recruit outside of, of the U.S. You're starting to see uh, these programs reach far and wide for for some rugby talent, um, which could be good or bad. So, Josh, uh, last name for you here on the list? Yeah, I got I got two. I'm going to cheat like you did. Um, you know, I'm going to I'm going to take two guys that I think we talked last week about, you know, there's going to be teams that are going to with a lot of draft picks. Right. We got Dallas, we got Nola Gold. They can take those chances on some players. One, it's not really a chance. We, we've we seen him. We, we know he's good. Mike Weir out of Dartmouth. Um, super smart guy. I mean, watching him in, in, in New Orleans, you know, Nola Gold was there, was able to get a lot get a lot of time to, you know, kind of watch him play. He was just shining all over the field. And granted that sevens, but also in the rug, in the Pleasure Rugby Shield, he also shined. Such a smart player, was able to kind of command his team and kind of like make any system, especially in the Shield where they're only together for a few weeks practicing, making them look like a well-oiled machine. He's the kind of team that I really, I'm going to make a prediction. I think Nola Gold is like a perfect team that could take him, um, take him, let him kind of sit and, you know, train up a little bit. I think he's got the passion. He's got the dedication that he could be an impactful player for them. Maybe not right away. Uh, maybe not in one or two years, but you know, if he sticks to it, I can see him being um, a quality asset. The other guy I want to say is uh case Fleck out of Indiana. I gotta, I mean, I gotta give some big 10 love, but uh, another guy I think shares a lot of the characteristics of Mike Weir on the size side. He's going to, he's a little bit on the smaller side. He probably isn't going to be a fly half. Um, for a lot of these teams, it's probably not going to be good for the MLR. But a team that I'd say that maybe would be able to take a chance on him is Utah. You know, Brandon Sparks over at Utah. You know, Brandon has that has that Big Ten knowledge. He's gotten to see Case Fleck play for multiple years. Um, I could see them with their third round pick taking a chance on a guy like that, um, letting him train up in the academy side. There are a couple other Big Ten guys that are in the Utah Warriors program, so could be a good fit for them. I think Brandon could do a good job with that, but he is another player that I can see having an impact maybe a couple of years down the line. I'll let you get away with the, um, the chicanery there, the cheating, Josh, I guess, cause I did open the door to that. Um, but yeah. two, two very solid names. Yeah. And we'll start starting giving away some of your mock draft picks too for next week. So we'll see, uh, we'll see how that goes well, but um, the last name yeah. for, yeah, you see, yeah, I guess you've got to dive a little more into the tape, uh, but last name for me, you actually, I also thought for Mike Weir, New England already had him in their building as well, uh, along with Connor Robinson, uh, who played hooker for Boston College. Uh, Connor Robinson didn't declare for the draft. Mike Weir did. So maybe that, you know, he he wanted to see who else might, you know, be interested in, in his services. Um, but we'll probably have to sit for a little bit, uh, put on some size. Um, but last name for me, uh, Jack Millet, I believe it's how you pronounce it, M-I-L-L-E-T, uh, out of Bishop's University in Canada, our first Canadian player who I'll go out on a limb and say will most likely be drafted by the Arrows, but you, you never know. Uh, they have done uh, pretty much exclusively Canadian players. Um, there have been a couple of Canadian guys, I believe, that did go to other teams. Um, but if you know the Arrows are smart, they have a pretty high pick. I think they, they would target uh, Malay. I turned on his highlight tape and I was immediately blown away because he started with some defensive highlights, which you don't always see from, uh, from, uh, you know, anybody's highlight tape, but he plays number eight. Um, he's from France originally and just, uh, incredible, incredible on defense. He's got a high motor. Uh, he's a dominant tackler. He's always looking to poach, looking to turn the ball over in the rucks, uh, which is, you know, that's something that MLR teams I think would value is to have a guy come in and contribute on defense right away. Um, but he's also great, you know, with ball in hand. He's looking to run through people. He's almost always breaking the gain line. Um, and he's, he showed he's got some kicks uh, in him as well. He can kick the ball if, if need be. So uh, maybe not a number eight at that level. Maybe, you know, kick him out to uh, maybe a flanker position. Uh, but can somebody who can definitely contribute uh, on the uh, defensive side of the ball almost right away. Um, and it, it looks like a guy who's, you know, high motor kind of dedicated guy. So good. Uh, good personality you want to have in, in your building as well. We'll have to get Brian Ray from America's rugby news to come in one day and tell us about these Canadian uh, Canadian teams and how good they are. But um, uh, I think Bishop's plays a pretty solid, pretty solid schedule. They're probably one of the better programs in Canada. So, um, and Colby, you have one last name here uh, that we can all talk about. I want to kind of open up. I'll let you talk about him as well briefly uh, before we wrap up here, but I want to kind of, use him to talk about another thing as well. Um, but your last day, you have Milan Van Wick from Mexico tech, who we all, I think really love uh, and is just a kind of a, a, a powerhouse, uh, but listed at scrum half scrum half, as we talked about last week, not a position that is historically drafted um, at all in the MLR draft. 
can you see someone like Milan Van Wick, you know, someone bringing him in and then moving him to a different position just because he has that that physical um, kind of uh, explosiveness, that that extra gear, that, you know, impact kind of uh, he's an impact player. Do you think you can see someone bringing him in and moving him around or is he going to play exclusively scrum half coming in? I, I don't want to put him into a box, but I, I'll say I think it's going to be hard for a lot of teams to look at him and say, you know, he's not going to – or look at him and say he's going to play somewhere else other than scrum half just because of his size. Um, with that being said, the dude's a baller, and I wouldn't be surprised if he could cut out a spot in, in a back line eventually. But honestly, I, I think you will see him at scrum half to begin his career, which isn't a bad thing. Like, he can play the scrum half position. He's a dynamic player, really, really fun to watch, knows the game, and um, I just think a lot of teams, that's where they're going to want to use him, just because of his his stature at the moment. I'm uh, probably going to take the, the opposite there. I, I don't think he's going to be a scrum half uh, in the MLR. I do think that teams are going to appreciate just – I mean, from the tape that we have and then the people that have seen him, right? No one has spoke bad about him. The guy is just a workhorse. <laughs> you know, he I I don't I don't think they're gonna want to put him in scrum app. I think maybe they'll try and teach him another position. Um, but if he goes and plays there, that's awesome. But uh I'm gonna go ahead and take the opposite and say that the team that drafts him is not gonna have the intention of him being a scrum half. So where would you see him? Where would you see him lining up, Josh? I, if, you had, I if you had to put him somewhere, where, where would you put him? It's tough. It is tough with his size, right? You say you want to stick him out to the back line, but that's really, really, it's really a challenge. Um, you know, you could say if he put more weight on, does he become a hooker? But that's also a challenge because he's, he's also small. But um, I, I just struggle to see at the MLR level for the teams that he's had to play that he's going to be able to thrive as a scrum half. Granted, yeah, he doesn't seem phased by most of the games that he's that we've seen him play. That's just that's just kind of a step up that I think may be a little bit too far. If a team's going to put a draft pick for him, they maybe are going to try him somewhere else where he can kind of maybe build up the speed of MLR, understand the skills a little bit better. And down the line, if he moves back to scrum half, he moves back to scrum half. But I would not start him there when he first gets to the MLR. Yeah, we saw him play a little bit of fullback, I think, in the NCR All-Star matchups. Maybe that's somewhere you put him. He, you know, he could field some kicks uh, in open space and, and he can join the, you know, the attacking line when need be. And, and you can maybe hide him a little bit on, on defense. And not that he's not a willing tackler, but you know, um, maybe you kind of deploy him in select spots. Um, but I just think, yeah, it's tough. Uh it's tough to not have that experience at that position, you know, and know the finer points of playing scrum half if he didn't play it really at all in, in college. Um, but who knows, maybe, you know, maybe he picks it up really quick and, and, you know, it does work out and he ends up being like, you know, uh, like a John Poland from new England, or, you know, just one of those really powerful scrum halves with ball in hand who are a little bit smaller uh, in stature, but, you know, but bring in an offensive element there. And it'd be interesting to see, because I think there are other scrum halves like that too. Like a Kawe, who you referenced earlier, Colby from Kutztown is another like, really great athlete um i mean do i think he's got the chops to be a, a pro scrum half i don't know not right away for sure but um i think he could be utilized somewhere else uh if a team you know is willing to kind of take a shot on him um but we have seen other scrum halves develop pretty quickly uh and we always reference the rugby new york guys but um i mean that was pretty impressive the way uh connor buckley and um connor mcmanus kind of learned in a year kind of how to play that position at a, at a pro level. So it can be done. Maybe it will be done for our friend Milan Van Wick, but it's inspiring. Uh, it is. It is inspiring. Shout out Brendan, Brendan Shea, who also had some really nice things to say about uh, the young fly half or scrum half from New Mexico tech Milan Van Wick uh, from his performances in the showcase. So yeah, yeah, like you said, a lot of people are talking all about the young man. First ever friend of the pod, Brendan Shea. Uh, and we'll see if, uh, if and also Milan was, I think, had some uh, interest from the Namibian national team. He's from Namibia. So if he starts playing scrum half at the international level, you know, in some of those matches, maybe that helps him as well. Uh, but that's it for me, guys. We got, you know, I think we talked about a lot. We covered a lot of ground today. A lot of names that, you know, we're excited about. Uh, we covered as much of the much of the 143 as we possibly could. Uh, and we will be back next week with our mock Facts. drafts. 
facts. Yeah. Our picks are big. This is it. This is the big the indisputable number one mock drafts order. Um, nobody does it better than us. So we're going to all get a hundred percent accuracy with our picks guys. Right. I think we're going to be on it. I if we get three right, I'm, I'm <laughs> celebrating. <laughs> if, if we get three right, we should not be doing this podcast. If we get three right, someone hire us, and yeah, and we'll go to we'll be in a GM. In Major we're getting Rugby. more than three right. We're getting ten right. I'm just shooting for ten. <laughs> ten out of thirty nine. <laughs> well, we'll see. We're gonna see. We'll have plenty of opportunity next week to uh, to find out how good we actually are at doing this. Uh, but for now. You know, thanks for joining us. Please check us out. Social media, uh, called Rugby Wrap Up has a Twitter handle, but check us out at, at Rugby Wrap Up as well and our Rugby Wrap Up YouTube page and rugbywrapup.com. All of our stuff is going to be there. If you feel like helping us out, do what we do. Uh, be a patron, be one of our patrons, subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com uh, slash rugby wrap up. Um, you know, help us kind of put out more content and better content as we go forward here. Um, but uh, for now, that that's all from us. Colby, you wanna you wanna sing us out? You got another song prepared for us this week? Um, I'm not gonna sing this week. What? You know, I, I wanna. Well, I can't sing every week. It's a tradition I, now. It wasn't in my contract. It was only two in ep- yours. After two episodes. If, yeah. If Brian. Okay. Right. Or I mean, if Josh, if you want to pass it to Josh, we could do like a pass yeah. situation. It, was, it wasn't. It wasn't in my contract. I, I, <laughs> you gotta go back to Matt. You gotta. You gotta talk that up with the big guy. I can take it this week, Kobe. If you want, you want. I mean, I, I think you do it better than any of us. So we all want to hear you do it. I, I want to hear what you got, Zach. I what I got? I want to okay. hear the vocals. Let me get the all right, vocals. here we go. All right, this is the one time though that you gotta take it back next week because you're gonna see how bad it is. Uh, all right, all right. Thanks for joining us here at Rugby Wrap-Up, College Edition. It's the MLR Draft. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, he can edit himself. Like he can. He <laughs> I'm going to auto-tune that. <laughs> <laughs> you need to auto-tune that. It's going to be amazing. <laughs>